Hey guys, before we get started with the podcast, I wanted to tell you about our sponsor, Upside. The company formerly known as GetUpside, Upside is an app that provides cash back on the everyday purchases that you make. This is especially beneficial at the gas pump because we all know how those fuel prices are at the moment. Aside from fuel purchases, Upside provides cash back at many restaurants and grocery stores as well. How does it work? Well, it's simple. Use the affiliate link in the description of this episode, which helps the show, and download the app. Then, input the payment method you're using, and use that payment method once you've checked in on the app, and voila, you get cash back. Your cash back can be sent directly to your bank account, or you can transfer the funds to various gift card options. So get cash back today on the everyday purchases that you need so that you can use that money on the things that you love, like Batman merch. And just for listeners of TFR, we have a special offer. Upon sign up, use promo code BATMAN20 and get an additional 20 cents per gallon cash back on your first fuel purchase. So make sure you check out this awesome app because you're not only saving money, but you're supporting this show while you do that. Thank you so much to the fine folks at Upside for sponsoring today's episode. Now let's get started. Welcome, citizens of Gotham, to The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast focusing on all things the Dark Knight and his world. If you'd like to connect with the show, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TFRBatPod. And if you have thoughts, questions, comments, or even suggestions for future episodes of the show, you can reach us by email at TFRBatPod at gmail.com. My name is Eric Carter, and I am your host, and we are here today to celebrate another anniversary. And when I say me, of course, I mean myself and my co-host, my partner, Mr. Joseph Fornerado. Joe, welcome back to the show. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good, Eric. Thank you. Happy uh, Sunday afternoon to you, or it might be still a little bit morning for you, but happy uh, happy Sunday. Yeah, Sunday as we're recording. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we always have to... Uh, preface that because uh it's it's usually mondays when the episodes drop so (laughs) but to um to get started i did say we're going to celebrate an anniversary and we will get into that in just a moment but um we also record with a little bit of a heavy heart today um because of course just a few days ago as you're listening to this we lost a batman legend in neil adams so i i i'd be i'd be remiss if we didn't bring this up 
on the episode and just just talk about Neil for for just a brief few minutes. So, yeah, man, Joe, an absolute legend that we've lost uh, in Neil Adams. That's it was kind of a shock the other day. Yeah, I was I was really surprised to see it. It was funny. Um, when when he passed away, I had told my wife because we were lucky enough to meet him at New York Comic Con uh, a, a few years back. Um, and I told my wife he passed away and she's like, he, he didn't seem like he was that old. I'm like, yeah, he was 80. She's like, wow. Like he didn't even seem like he would have been like 75 when we had met him. And that's kind of like, he always just had this young, young way about him. Like you never would have guessed his age by just speaking with him. And he was such a nice guy to us. He, you know, he signed a big, uh, a big poster of Batman 251 for me and my wife. Nice. He uh, personalized it to us, and uh, it's funny. I I have unfortunately never been able to track down a a Batman two fifty one that was worth me purchasing, but I I have that poster hanging up down here with me as we record, and it's one of my prized possessions. That's for sure. Yeah, I I was lucky lucky enough to uh, get a copy of two fifty one. I have a graded copy, um, one of my prized possessions, but honestly, one that's a little higher than that, and it's it's nowhere near as valuable or anything like that. But I met. Neil in 2019 at a con uh, in North Carolina, and just like you said, I mean, he was so nice. He was so giving with his time, and he uh, he I bought his cover of Detective Comics 1000 and had him sign it there with it in person. And um, yeah, he's just I'll I'll tell you briefly about our exchange because it's kind of funny. Um, I said I when I walked up, of course, shook his hand, and I said. Um, Mr. Adams, I said, it's such an honor to meet you. Uh, your Batman is still one of the best. And he looked at me kind of funny, and he said, well, that's kind of a half-assed compliment. <laughs> and that is that is Neil Adams in a nutshell, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and I, and I was kind of stunned, and he said, um, what you mean to say is, Mr. Adams, your Batman is the best. And I was like, yes, sir, you're right. <laughs> so, but uh, he kind of laughed it off. And I, I, I'll say he's the only artist I've ever seen that took the time to clean the front of the book before he signed it. Oh, that's cool. And it's such a, an artist attention to detail thing. Like he, he didn't want that. He wanted the signature to be nice and smooth and, and without imperfections. So he wiped the cover clean before he signed it. I thought that was just a neat little touch. But um, yeah, I I want to give Mr. Neil Adams the appropriate amount of time for us to celebrate him. So I, I just want to go ahead and tell you guys we're gonna we're gonna leave it here. But on our next episode, our next episode is gonna be a celebration of Neil Adams, and we're gonna throw in some Denny O'Neill there too because you can't talk about one without the other. So our next episode will be a Neil Adams chockful episode. In fact. We're throwing out the randomness of the Batman the Animated Series episodes for one week because we're going to be covering the two-parter. Is it the Demon's Quest, Joe? Yes. Yeah, yeah. the Demon's Quest, which um, it actually uh, trans... What's the word I'm looking for here? Um, it it goes... Uh, it's Batman 232 and 244 are the two comics that it actually adapts. Adapts was the word I was looking for. Very hard. Um, yeah, it's... So, uh, yeah, Batman 232 and Batman 244. Yes, and the two episodes we'll be covering next next episode are the Demon's Quest parts one and two. So make sure you watch those in advance. But anyway. Um, well, uh, one more thing before before you go on from Neil Adams. Did okay. you see what um, Kevin Smith did 
Uh, he took all all of Neil Adams' interviews that he did on Fat Man on Batman or Fat Man Beyond, and he compiled them into one five-hour episode. Oh, wow. Yeah, so if uh, if anyone's looking to get some Neil Adams content in the next week or two, uh, that is that is something I'm going to be checking out, because I don't know if I listen to every one of his interviews, but I definitely listen to a couple. Well, you can say one thing. When... Um... When a legend passes or anything like that, you can you can count on Kevin Smith to really go to bat for him, and he he's he really respects the the people that paved the way for him. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, again, we're gonna talk a lot more about Neil Adams. I want to give him the proper time and respect on on a full episode, but we're gonna move on from there today. Um, today we are here to celebrate a momentous occasion, uh, a huge milestone 55 years and i actually i needed to correct myself because in my initial tweet i put 50 years but i'm terrible at math so it was actually 55 years of barbara gordon batgirl barbara gordon and batgirl appeared first in january of 1967 in batman number 359 and she has been a mainstay in comics and tv and film ever since uh she is a huge part of the batman mythos now and and i couldn't imagine um comics without her uh, especially batman related batman family comics i can't imagine them without her so i i wanted to give her proper respect and and really celebrate the anniversary so joe we're we're a little bit late we're it, we didn't get it done in january but you know there's we're in between kind of the comics debut and the debut on batman the the, the television series so tell me a little bit about your history uh with batgirl when did you first uh encounter batgirl uh was it comics was it tv what was it and, and just tell me a little bit about how you feel about Batgirl? Well, my first encounter with Batgirl was definitely the 66 show or the 60s TV show. Um, season three, I think we've talked about it on the show before about how when that theme song opened up and when I was a kid, I, I wanted a Batgirl episode all the time. So I would wait to see that part of the, the theme and or the opening segment, I should say. And uh, when I saw the Batgirl or the Bat Cycle, I knew, oh, good, we're getting a we're getting a season. I didn't know at the time it was season three. I just knew it was a Batgirl episode. They were random to me, mm-hmm. but uh, I used to love just waiting to see if she was going to be on the show or not. And I loved Yvonne Craig's interpretation of Batgirl. Um, at the time, it was the only one I knew because it was prior to the animated series, which I learned a little bit more about her through that uh, in the coming years. But, but yeah, for me, it was definitely Yvonne Craig. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I've heard so many people, and I think we even talked about this recently. I've heard so many people talk about, you know, especially like Andy D. Genova and those guys at Holy Batcast when they saw the was it the Batgirl's motorcycle? Is that what it was yeah. in the in yep. the? Okay, so when they would see that and they would know, oh yes, it's a Batgirl episode. So that's that's really fun. Um, I did not have the same experience because, of course, as I've said before, you know, I'm not. I'm not the world's biggest fan of Batman 66, although I have a deep respect for it. I just didn't grow up with it. Um, my my original series like that was, of course, Batman the Animated Series. And that's where I got introduced to, to Batgirl. And there's, there's so many episodes in Batman the Animated Series and the other follow-up shows that just have some awesome uh, tidbits here and there with Batgirl. Uh, is it... I think Over the Edge is the episode I'm thinking of most where um, where Gordon kind of, it's kind of like, does he know, does he not know? And he kind of stops her from telling him. 
isn't it over the edge? Yes, I think so. Yeah, which we're obviously going to talk about in the future. But yeah, I, I just I love the dynamic that the Bat Family got uh, became over time in Batman the Animated Series, and Batgirl was a huge part of that. So that was my introduction to the character of Barbara Gordon and Batgirl. Um, so we kind of both had our starts with her in television. So let's stick to television for a second, uh, Joe. What are I mean, there's there's not a lot other than what we've already mentioned, but do you have any other television highlights of Barbara Gordon? Well, I mean, honestly, it's not a show that I really cared for or watched, but... Birds of I, Prey. I, yeah, I'll mention <laughs> Birds of Prey, because honestly, um, I'm blanking on the actress's name right now, uh, Dinah, uh, what was it, something with a D. Um I'm blanking on her name and that's terrible, but I, I, I will look it up, but go on. I, I actually think she did a really good job as Oracle and the flashbacks with her as Batgirl are a lot of fun. That's one thing that kind of, I, I miss from DC universe mm-hmm. because the birds of prey show was on DC universe. But then when they switched over to HBO max, it didn't carry over and I never purchased it. And it's full price right now to buy all 13 episodes. So it's like, I think it's like 30 bucks to buy all uh, 13 which i i haven't pulled the trigger on because i don't need to watch it that bad but i watched the first few episodes and i'll be honest with you the show is not as bad as uh i guess i would have thought based mm-hmm. on the time frame it came out and one thing i will say the the uh costume she looks great in the Batgirl costume for the flashbacks now her name which is- if you don't know it's actually the exact same costume from batman and robin they just re painted it i was gonna bring that up but yeah her name is yeah. dina meyer dina meyer yes she, yeah. uh, from she's been in the saw movies uh she's been in a couple things but yeah really i think she did a terrific job as oracle nice i i didn't watch a lot of that show i think i i think i've seen an episode or two um i remember thinking that show was very cinematic though for its for its mm-hmm. time uh and it they, was actually filmed in widescreen uh, which I found uh, a little interesting because back then that was not common. But I remember seeing that when I watched it on DC Universe that it was actually, um, I want to say it was, I don't remember what the actual ratio was, but I remember, you're right, it looked cinematic. It looked different than what you would see from a regular, I don't think it was CW at the time, but you know, Pix11, whatever it might have been. It looked different than what a normal show would be. Right, yeah. So, yeah, I don't have a lot of experience with that show. I remember some of the concepts I heard about, like the flashbacks and the, you know, the because you get a few looks at Batman in that series too, right? Like a flashback? Definitely in the pilot. And in the pilot, you see a flashback to the killing joke, basically. Oh, wow. And oh, yeah, you see. So there's actually a Joker. Mark Hamill does the voice. And you see... Um, her being shot and they're showing you how she became Oracle because the show is about the birds of prey. So it's, it's her, her being Oracle, but they have flashbacks to her being bad girl. It's, it's honestly like it's worth diving into. It, it's, it's a fun show. Like I said, unfortunately we lost it when it went to HBO max mm-hmm. it, or it never did go to HBO max. But I think uh, one of these days I am going to, you know, bite the bullet and purchase it so I can rewatch it. Cause that was, that was definitely a disappointment for me. Okay, awesome. Well, the the other highlight for me, of course, is the more recent portrayal of Barbara Gordon, and that is Savannah Welch on season yes. three of Titans. I thought she was fantastic 
in the role. It's a very different portrayal of um, Barbara Gordon. She's uh, the police commissioner, which we've seen the police commissioner Barbara several times before. Um, but this one was really strong, I thought. Um, like I said, a different take. Um, but she, I think she acquitted herself well. I really, really enjoy that that alley battle that she mm-hmm. has in the wheelchair. I just think she's she's phenomenal in the role, and I hope we I hope we get to see her on Titans going forward. I don't know if that's possible or not. I don't know where they're going, but yeah, Savannah Welch, I thought she killed it. Yeah, I, I agree. I loved her on the show, and I would even argue maybe not such a different take as to. Her being the Barbara Gordon we love, but in a different world. Titans itself is a take, but I think her her portrayal is pretty spot on with the comics. Uh, well, I guess just what I meant was, you know, there's there's not she's not Oracle, but there is an Oracle. And yeah, that's she's true. not like Batgirl anymore. Yeah. But she, yeah, with that show, there's always uh, you know, there's always changes on that show. But I think as far as the portrayal, I think that characterization could work really well in any uh any world yeah she's it's it, the the changes aren't as extreme as say like gotham but exactly <laughs> was there a barbara gordon on gotham i don't think so i mean i know there I'm, was the there was barbara Keene, but that was supposed to be like the love interest for for jim not really the yeah. the daughter that would have been more barbara's mom yeah i I don't remember if she was pregnant at some point. I feel like she was. Yeah, that show. But I don't know. Yeah, that show. I <laughs> I fell off, so I, I can't be. Don't quote me on it, but I'm 99% sure there was no daughter. That's Okay, yeah. I, I, I recently tried a rewatch, and it didn't it didn't last long. So. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot you told me you did that. Yeah, I, I have not attempted that. Yeah, so the less said, the I would better, do. Probably. I would do Birds of Prey before I did Gotham. In all honesty, I probably would too. I mean, it's it, it's quicker too. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> something to be said for brevity too. So yes, um, uh, one other one other really good uh, TV shout out, Batman Beyond, because I don't think he gets talked about enough. But she is. It's another situation where she's a police commissioner, but I love her as the older, more grizzled kind of, you can really tell she's Jim Gordon's daughter in that series. Yeah. And I, I really love that. So I, I don't know. Well, oh, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I just, that was always the fun part with that show for people like me, like myself. I know Brendan, uh, Brendan Loaf uh, isn't a huge fan of Batman Beyond. And it wasn't my thing it's because either, you're haters. I, well, <laughs> I, <laughs> I just loved when they did stuff like that. Like Barbara, like we like to see Bruce. We like to see Barbara. It's a, that's the nostalgic, you know, warm blanket of seeing the characters we love from Batman, the animated series. So I, I loved uh, seeing Barbara on there all the time. Right. Yeah. And, and she, especially in like Batman beyond return of the Joker. Yeah. Because you get so many emotional beats between her and Bruce and um, Tim Drake in that, in that movie that you don't normally get in a Batman piece of media. So I just, mm-hmm. I love the callbacks to the, to the old school Batman and, and her as Batgirl. And then Tim Drake is Robin. It's really fun stuff. Um, but that's kind of our look at TV. Let's talk about, uh, well, I, okay. I gotta, I gotta stop you. Cause okay. I forgot about, I forgot about the Batman. And the Batman animated show introduced Barbara prior to introducing Robin. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And that and, was because and she was a huge staple on that show. 
Wasn't that because they were doing something else with Robin at the time or something like that? Yes. The the TV rights were really weird where because Robin was on Teen Titans, they couldn't use him in the Batman. So they introduced Batgirl first and she was great on the Batman. The Batman, I've only watched it through once and I did enjoy it. It's not as memorable to me as the other shows. So I can't speak too much on the characterization of characterization of Batgirl on the show. Mm-hmm. But I, I still wanted to bring it up for the the fans of that show because she was a huge part of that show for, for years. Because I think she was introduced in season two. It might have been season three. Yeah, that's one. Um, no pressure on on Andy and those guys. But that's that's one I, I really hope they do after they're done with Batman Beyond. Because I'd I'd love an excuse to go back and rewatch that show. Because it's, it's very underrated. Yeah, I agree in my opinion. But anyway, um, so that's kind of a look at Barbara Gordon in TV, but now let's look at the, the, the main event for, for, of course, us fans is comic books. So let's talk about Barbara in the comics. Are there any, are there any major highlights for you uh, with, when it comes to Barbara Gordon as Batgirl? Um, well, first off, I did want to bring up the fact that I was talking to you before we started recording and I've always been a little confused on, uh, the introduction of her in the comics because it does predate the show. It predates Batman, uh, the sixties television show mm-hmm. by, I think you said like eight or nine months because the yeah, first was... issue was January. Right. And then she debuted in September on the TV show, but apparently, and this is from Wikipedia, take it with a grain of salt, but it is notated and all that. So let's see. Um, William Dozer suggested that the new character would be the daughter of the police commissioner and that she would adopt the identity of Batgirl. Um, so basically, um, they wanted to develop the character for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, Julia Schwartz, I'm sorry, I've read it out of, uh, out of order. Julia Schwartz stated that he had been asked to develop a new female character in order to attract a female viewership to the show. So I guess William Dozier went to julia schwartz and said hey can you develop this character for the comics we want to bring her into the show and that's kind of how that transpired which is pretty fascinating it almost reminds me of how and i could be wrong with this too but isn't that kind of how robin got his new suit in the comics from neil adams was they basically went to the comics and said hey we might be bringing robin onto the big screen when they were originally planning him for batman 2 it's kind of cool how they do that sometimes where they'll go to the comics and say hey created in the comics first because we're looking to do this in the films. It's really interesting because I don't know if that happens as much now with DC. No, probably not. In fact, in more recent memory, I think um, television and animation has influenced comics more than the other way around. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's how you got Harley Quinn and, and different characters like that. So... Um, yeah, I think that's that's a change that's happened in the industry, but I, I think it's also a sad statement on you know that comics just don't carry the weight that they once did, mm-hmm. and that's unfortunate. But I think it's true. But um, yeah. to, to to your point, I did I did want to mention um, that Batgirl had been a character previous to Barbara Gordon. Yes. So there was Bat Hyphen Girl that premiered in 1961, so six years before Barbara, and she was Betty Kane. So, and I'll be honest, I don't know very much about that character. Um, She was Batwoman's sidekick, and I want to say, like, didn't they have kind of a relationship with Batman and Robin? Like, it was like, 
at some point I think Batwoman even married like was dating Batman and then I don't know. It was the the fifties and the sixties, whatever it might have been, was was a different time. It was a weird time. <laughs> oh. so, um, yeah. That, yeah, so that it, I, not much knowledge on the Betty Kane version of Batgirl, but I mean I at this point I think it's safe to say that it, I mean there's there's one Batgirl. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that's no offense to, I know a lot of people love Stephanie Brown in the role and things like that. But I mean, for my preference, I, I like Barbara Gordon in the cow, uh, but to, to get back to comics, um, what are, what are some highlights for you in the comics of Barbara Gordon Batgirl? My first, uh, my first one that's worth mentioning for me automatically Chuck Distant Chuck Dixon's Birds of Prey run. Oh, is that's one not of where the I expected most... you to go. Oh man. So honestly, that is probably I think I've spoken about it on the show. I think when we did our Dick Grayson episode, the run of Chuck Dixon in the nineties, where he did Robin, Birds of Prey, Nightwing. So I want to say he might have even done some of the bad titles. He did Catwoman. He had this amazing run across the bad titles. And I'm telling you, his Birds of Prey run was amazing. I love that book so much. I did a deep dive into that stuff when DC Universe first came out. And it was so much fun reading that stuff. And his his adi- his um, interpretation of Barbara Gordon is great. So, yes, I agree with you. Um, in fact, I'm going to stick with Chuck Dixon because I'm going to bring up uh, Batgirl Year One, which I thought was where you were going. When you said <laughs> it's funny, I I wanted to reread that, but I was waiting. I honestly was reading was waiting to reread that for the film that's supposed to come out this year, which probably isn't now. Um, I haven't read that in years, so I don't remember a lot about it. Well, yeah. So it, it was it came out in two, in two thousand three, I believe. Yeah, February to October two thousand three, and I really love the stuff that Chuck Dixon does with. Um, with the bat family, especially the early years of the bat family. He likes to go back and Mm -hmm. explore their origins and things like that. And I, he just knocks it out of the park every time. Cause we also have Robin year one and Nightwing year one that he did. And he just, he does a phenomenal job with, with their backstories and, and Batgirl is no different. That's, that's one of the comics that really first made me appreciate Barbara Gordon. Um, is I really love the way that Chuck wrote her and she, she was just, she was just a standout for a long time with me after that. Cause I think that's the first thing, I mean, other than Batman, the animated series, that was the first thing I had really dove into with Batgirl. And that was before, of course I dropped out of comics for a while, but yeah. So, so Batman or excuse me, Batgirl year one is definitely a highlight. Uh, any more for you, Joe? Um, I mean, I, I would have to say Gail Simone's do 52 run was great. I did not. I never read that. I'm gonna have to check that out. So I, Batgirl solo, that is definitely my preference. I did not get into the Burnside stuff. I've been meaning to dive into that also. And again, there's just not enough time to read everything I want to read. But the Burnside, I mean the um the New Fifty Two run with Gelsman was really good. Uh, definitely a more modern a little bit of a darker story. You would like it because James Gordon plays a part. Okay. Um, it's some really good stuff by that, by Gail Simone. 
Yeah, I've heard a lot about the Gail Simone run, but I've never read it. Um, but the speaking of the Burnside run, that is one that I highly recommend. I know you said you you weren't that into it, but it's I personally think it redefined Batgirl for for a generation. And I mean, so far as aesthetics, I mean, we're still we're still pretty attached to that Burnside aesthetic. In fact, that's that's the look that they've kind of gone for for Leslie Grace in the Batgirl film. So I'm I'm super excited for that. And, and yeah. Um but one that I really really want to bring up and it's super easy to read. It's a, it's a single issue. But it's um it's part of the Joker War. It's a tie-in to the Joker War series and it's called uh or it's it's number 47 of the the newer Batgirl run. So it's the current run that's go or I did they cancel Batgirl? I can't remember. I think it was one of the ones that, that fell by the wayside when they did that huge uh, cancel. Yeah. Like, there's only a few titles that still get physical books now. Well, either way, it's it's kind of a it's it's a return to the Killing Joke story, sort of. Um, so it's it like I said, it's part of Joker War, and it's 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 Batgirl number forty-seven. There's an amazing variant cover that I have that's really cool. It looks like a playing card. And um, you've got on on one end you've got Batgirl, on the other end you've got Joker. So so you know they're upside down depending on which way you turn the book. But it looks like a playing card. Super awesome cover. Um, but anyway, it's basically Joker has figured out all the identities of the Bat family, and he knows that Barbara Gordon is Batgirl, and he remembers what he did to her, and he goes to her apartment to basically do it again. And at this point in the comics, you know, um, Barbara had a chip in her spine that helped her uh, walk, so now she yes. can move and she, you know, she could become Batgirl again. Well, he had figured out a way to disable the chip, so she's paralyzed, but she's still fighting joker paralyzed in this apartment and it's it's really tense and it's honestly terrifying to read but it's it's awesome at the same time too because even without her mobility batgirl still kicks ass so i highly recommend batgirl number 47 have you read that one joe i have um i want to say it was recommended when the batman book club book club covered uh joker war and I, I don't think I'd ever read the tie-ins for Joker War. So I, that was when I bought the, the hardcover. And then I remember being really annoyed that the spine was terrible. So I ended up reading them digitally, all the tie-ins for Joker War. And that was one that I think Pete Vera had recommended to us. And man, that is a great story. Really, again, a really dark story. Um, I don't know what it says, but I, I do like the stuff where Barbara is really faced with a lot of adversity because I love how she always just finds a way to come out on top, no matter what. I think it's a really great, uh, character. Um, it's a really great quality of the character. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, well, is it any others that you can think of Joe? I know we really, there's so much to talk about. We really haven't touched on any Oracle stuff or anything like that, but is there anything else you can recommend or, or highlight from the comics? Um, from the comics, um, no, I do want to go read, uh, your one. And I, I know we're, we're strictly talking about Barbara here, but I will say, um, the Stephanie Brown Batgirl run is a lot of fun. I've mm -hmm. read the first arc or two in that, even the Cassandra Kane run, 
that's definitely a little different, but I will say if you're looking to just get into the Cassandra Kane stuff, very quick reads because for obvious reasons, there's not a lot of dialogue. Um, very quick, fun reads on that character just to try to get into something different for Batgirl. Yes. Uh, even um, I, I have to mention Hel- Helena Bertinelli, even though she was not Batgirl for a long time. Uh, she is still one of my favorite characters, so I do want to mention that, yes, at one point she was Batgirl during No Man's Land, much mm-hmm. to the chagrin of everyone in the Bat family. <laughs> I don't think anyone was very happy with that. Well, and speaking of No Man's Land, I mean, you have a good Batgirl there, and you have Barbara Gordon as a key part when, as in her role as Oracle. Oh, no, yeah. Man, no Man's Land is huge for Barbara Gordon. Mm-hmm. And I'm, uh, I'm assuming when we get to another specific uh, point of media... Uh, probably one of my favorite interpretations of Oracle if we get to it. Okay, well, go for it. Um, the Arkham games. Oh, you know, I hadn't even thought about See, touching I, I didn't know if you games. were going to go... I, didn't, I wasn't planning on it, but I didn't know if you were going to bring it up, but man, I'll tell you what, that might be my favorite interpretation of Barbara Um, because she's so... Like she's in your ear the entire time you're playing those games, so yeah, it's, it's either just, it's either Barbara or Alfred. So yeah. yeah, so I I definitely wanted to bring that up because I I think that's from top to bottom with those games. It's my favorite suit, my favorite Batgirl suit, my favorite. Uh, I want to say does Tara Strong do the voice for the video games, Ooh, or does uh, she do the voice of Harley? I can't, I can't remember. Yeah, because I know Tara Strong has done the voice of both, right? And I can't remember what she does when. Yeah, I, anytime I think Tara Strong, I think I automatically think Harley. Um, and she did the, but she did the voice of Batgirl in season three of the animated series, though. I think. I think you're right. Yeah, Kimberly Brooks is the voice actress for Oracle in okay. uh, Arkham Asylum and Arkham City. So. Oh, okay. And Ashley Green did her in Arkham Knight. Okay, and Arkham Knight is probably my favorite. Like I, there, <laughs> Arkham Knight. I don't want to spoil it too much, but there's some great Batgirl and Oracle stuff in Arkham Knight. Plays a really big part in that game. There's a lot of killing joke in there. Yes, and it's there's yep. some disturbing imagery. Absolutely. So yeah, really, really good stuff. Well, thank you for bringing up the games because I didn't even think about that. But that's a great—that was a great place to go. Um, so let's let's talk. Of, we had uh, some people reach out on Twitter and offer uh, their version. So let's, let's talk about that real quick. Uh, Jim Bob Squarepants on Twitter. He said, "My three favorite versions ever are these," and he posted pictures for Batgirl Year One, which we've we've just talked about. He also posted Batman Three Jokers, which. We didn't even bring up in the comics, but is a is very, very good Batgirl. Yeah, how did we forget that? I that's, don't know. That's, well, that's bad on us. Yeah. Well, well I, unless you were saving it intentionally, <laughs> I actually I wasn't, but um, I I saw it in his pictures when I was flipping through, and I was like, yeah, we need to talk about that. But I'd save it and give the give the credit to Jim. So yeah, Batman Three Jokers is fantastic um, Batgirl stuff. I know it's a little controversial amongst some because it kind of. I mean, spoiler alert if you haven't read Three Jokers, but it kind of uh, leads you to think there there's something going on between Jason and Barbara, which I know some people don't like, but whatever. I, I think it's really good storytelling with those, with the whole Bat family, really. 
Yeah, I think linking them to with the traumatic experiences through the Joker was a brilliant idea. And yeah, I mean, you you could argue it's so brilliant it's almost obvious, but I don't know I that anybody had ever done. done it before, though. Yeah, so. um, but I like the way it was done, and you could kind of interpret it any way you want, which I appreciate too. Yes. Um, Jim had also posted a picture of Yvonne Craig as Batgirl, which, yeah, I know a lot of people really, really love that version of Batgirl. So there we go. Um, Professor J on Twitter also said the original 60s version was amazing. Now, I'm assuming he's talking about the TV show. Um, I don't know if he would be saying the original 60s version in the comics. I'm, like I said, I'm assuming he means Yvonne Craig as well. And then um, J.J. Hodges broke the rules, and he said Stephanie Brown, <laughs> so which is cool, awesome. Stephanie Brown is a great Batgirl. Um, so thank you guys for, for reaching out and telling us your favorite versions or incarnations of Batgirl. Um, but that's is there is there anything else you want to say, Joe, about about Batgirl before we move on? Just to defend the Stephanie Brown fans, anyone that that grew up reading the 90s comics and me, I didn't grow up reading Stephanie Brown as a character. But like I said, diving into the the Chuck Dixon stuff with with Birds of Prey and then the the evolution of the character with her becoming uh, Batgirl after she played such a huge part in the Robin books. Mm -hmm. I get why people such an affinity for that character because I I fell in love with her as well. And now I know why everyone was so mad when the new 52 started and she was nowhere to be found for a while. So I get it. I, I do have a newfound love for that character and I cannot uh, recommend her, uh, you know, whether it be her Batgirl title or even the stuff with her as spoiler and the Robin stuff. I know we're not talking about uh, spoiler, but um, yeah, I get it. She was a great character. And the only other thing I do want to bring up, cause I did not know this. I just watched the unaired, I don't know if it was like a, a short or like a, it was like a, they call it the unaired pilot, which doesn't make any sense, mm-hmm. but it's basically like, it, it's a different suit. It was almost like a camera test that was filmed like a show of season three for Batman 66. And I found it fascinating. Killer Moth is the villain in the episode. Oh, wow. And Killer Moth, to my knowledge, did not show up on the show. But I find it fascinating that Killer Moth is always, like, the first villain that Batgirl fights in, like, every medium. Well, <laughs> I think that's so cool. Until Leslie Grace. Yes. <laughs> because apparently we're going to get Firefly, which I'll be honest I'll tell you with what, you. If they find a way to do a homage to Killer Moth in that film, though, I would not put it past them. I think that would be really cool. I mean, yeah, that, that you could show that as kind of her getting started in the beginning exactly. of the film. Yeah. Which is one thing I did want to ask you before we moved on. Um, what 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 are your expectations or what would you like to see out of the Batgirl film? Oh, I don't It's tough, <laughs> right? <laughs> I would like a I would like an Easter egg to Killer Moth. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't even have a huge affinity for that character. I just think it'd be fun. Uh, we know we're getting Firefly, which is cool. Um, I don't really have a huge desire to like, say, I need this. I need this. I think going forward, I know a lot of people have speculated that we're going to get Dick Grayson in the movie. I don't necessarily buy that yet. I think we might be getting a Jason Bard character, um, who played a huge part in the birds of prey run by Chuck Dixon. 
Mm. So I'm cool with that. I'm cool with if they go with Dick Grayson. Uh, either way, I just I'm really excited to see Batgirl, whether it be on the big screen, the small screen, whatever we're getting. I know we're getting it, you know, a film, and and I'm just excited. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm just I I, I just want to know when it's coming because you know we know the the Flash got moved. I think um, I think Batgirl. F- hinges very much on the flash because we know Michael Keaton's Batman is in it. So that's just, I, I, all I want right now is to know when it's coming because everything Mm -hmm. else, I mean, Leslie Grace, I I really liked her in in the Heights. I think she's a phenomenal performer and I can't, she, she seems to bring a ton of energy and uh, excitement for the character of Barbara Gordon. So I'm super excited about that. I'm, I'm thrilled that we get more JK Simmons as Gordon, even if it's, I don't, I don't know what's going on there either. I, if, even if it's not the same exact version that we've gotten before, I like him in the role and I'd love to see more of him. So I'm excited for that. And yeah, this, this whole, uh, Brendan Frazier Renaissance we're going through. I'm, I'm not mad at it because I really like Brendan Frazier. So it, it's exciting to see him, uh, step into the role of Firefly. And as a firefighter myself, I'm excited. They're going that route of the, you know, the, the demented firefighter who's, you know, lost his way. I, I really like that. And I'm excited to see how that all wraps up. I'm, I'm interested in, in the dynamic of who else may be there. So yeah, super. shouldn't you not? Shouldn't you not like that? <laughs> it's a little, it's a little sick on your part, Eric, to to like that. Well, I mean, you know, it, it gives it gives the firefighters a, a different edge and some, you know, some more exposure. I think it's I think it's really going to dive into like crooked city city politics and things like that when it comes yeah, to the yeah, fire I think service so too. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm very interested to see what they do there. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's that's where I'm at with Batgirl. Uh, love the character. Uh, can't believe she's 55 years old. Uh, she looks great for 55. Old girl's doing well. So yeah, and, and it's it's cool to be able to talk about this, knowing that we have some cool Batgirl stuff to come, and we'll definitely have to dive more into the Batgirl stuff when the film finally gets a release date and we get uh, we get closer to that. Yeah, we'll have to do a little bit of. Uh, Maybe the road to to Batgirl, like we did the road to the Batman. Oh yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah, absolutely. So there you go, guys. There is a little bit of uh, a few recommendations, a little bit of talk about our favorite versions of Barbara Gordon uh, to celebrate fifty five years of Barbara Gordon as Batgirl. Um, so, but we're not ready to leave you yet because, as promised, we have another episode to celebrate 30 years of Batman the Animated Series. So here is this week's episode of BTAS. Okay, so this week's episode in our 30th year celebration of Batman the Animated Series is entitled Second Chance. And this one was chosen by Sefi Roth and Javier Vargas on Twitter. So this one, um, this is a very Two-Face focused episode and basically just as a quick synopsis, Two-Face is going in for surgery to have his face um, fixed and and basically be turned back into Harvey Dent. And uh, the doctors have kind of given him a clean bill of health, mental health that is, and they think he's ready to rejoin society 
And the final step again is to is to become Harvey Dent, become whole again. And uh, Batman is there to well, actually, to, Bruce Wayne sponsors the surgery. If I'm if I'm thinking correctly, isn't that right, Joe? Yes. Yeah. So Bruce Wayne is there to, and he's you know he's an old friend of Harvey Dent, and he's there to help him. But during the middle of the surgery, uh, some thugs break in and they and they kidnap Harvey Dent, and it it all goes awry. And Batman has to go on this journey to rescue Harvey Dent and get him back so they can get the surgery done. But it turns out that it was Two Face, so the alter ego of Harvey Dent, that did not want this done because. Two-Face is not ready to go away. So the 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 episode kind of culminates in a confrontation between Two-Face and Batman uh, where Batman realizes that his his friend is not whole and he and he's not ready to be healed yet and um, Two-Face will not allow Harvey Dent to kind of get rid of his alter ego and his other personality. So Joe, tell me about your thoughts on Second Chance. What did you think of this one? I don't know how I felt when I was a kid first watching this, but man, that is that is some really cool and fun storytelling. And I, I wonder if this was like a mind-blowing moment when I was a kid. Like, oh, how did Two-Face do this? Like, I, I think that's <laughs> such a, you know, like, because even as an adult, I'm kind of like, wow, that's really, like, I, I remember this episode uh, pretty clearly. So mm-hmm. I, there was no, like, aha moment when I was watching this. But I do wonder, like, was I watching this like, oh, who could it have been? Was it the Penguin? Was it Rupert Thorne? Because they do a good job of leading you down that path. Yeah, they give of, you uh, some. They give you some good red herrings. Absolutely, and it's a lot of fun. It's almost kind of like a. Uh, it's a mystery episode. It's you could see this being like a monthly title where okay, the first month is the you know, Rupert Thorne book, and you get you know some Rupert Thorne stuff, and then you get a Penguin book, and you get that like it, almost to the vein of Hush or Long Halloween type of storytelling in a in a very condensed way, but. Yeah, this is a fun episode. Uh, I'm so glad someone picked this because it's not one that I would have put in my top five. But man, this definitely deserves to be in the conversation. Yeah, it's one of those, you know, we talked about during the last episode when we were talking about that that Joker episode. It was kind of, it was one of those where you remembered, oh yeah, this is a kid's show. Well, this episode to me was the complete opposite. Because this mm-hmm. had some of that darker, heavier storytelling that was kind of a hallmark for Batman the Animated Series. And I think I told you when I was watching the episode, I immediately thought of the the Two-Face portion of The Dark Knight Returns. Because to me, there was a lot of that in there where um, Harvey has you know convinced the has convinced his doctors and the people at Arkham that he's ready to rejoin society, but Two-Face is not. So there's still that, there's still that alter ego under the surface and he comes out once he's threatened basically. And Uh it just reminded me a lot of that portion of the Dark Knight Returns. Uh, Did you get any of that from the, from the episode? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's definitely, I think it is there I, I would argue it's their homage to that. I mean, this is a Paul Dini story. Paul Dini knows what he's doing. Um, I I would be very shocked if he didn't at least admit to the fact that that was at least a factor in this story. But I think they do a good job of putting their own spin on it. And, you know, he's not healed completely because he never actually goes through with the surgery. It, right, exactly. Yeah, so, the, so that's a little bit of a difference from the Dark Knight Returns story where he didn't actually have the procedure done. 
um, because Two Face didn't let him get to that point, which I, you know, changes it up a little bit. And I think it's also a, a clever change in that, you know, Two Face is basically fighting for survival against Harvey Dent, which I, I really like that. And I, I really like, too, at the end of the episode that even though, you know, it's gone wrong and they know that Harvey's not ready uh, to change and to, to rejoin society and to be his old self, Bruce Wayne and Batman haven't given up on him. You know, mm-hmm. they, they want to help their friend they or he wants to help his friend and wants to heal his friend. So, yeah, it's a, it's kind of a thread that went all the way through Batman, the animated series. And I think it's really cool. Um, I also wanted to bring up the building that that their final battle takes place in. Now, it's been a while since I've watched the origin, um, but it kind of flashes back in this episode. Is that where is that where it happened in the show that he got turned into Two-Face? I don't remember. I do rem- like when they were doing the flashbacks, I was like, wow, is some of this new footage, but I don't think it is right. All of the flashbacks are the exact, um, the exact animation from the original episode. Correct. I, I think so. Yeah. Cause I, I definitely the, the scarring and, you know, him turning them over and stuff like that. But I don't remember as far as the final battle, I don't, you know, I, I couldn't attest one way or the other. Well, you know, when I think Two-Face, my mind puts him, puts Harvey in the courtroom with Maroney and the acid and things like that. But that's not how the animated series did it, I don't think. No. So, and, and I know we're going to watch the Two-Face episodes at some point, and, I, and now I'm, I'm ready to get back to that because it's like, okay, I need my memory jogged. But I think that's going to, I think that's going to tie together well when we finally get back to that episode and we're able to say, okay, so that's what the flashback was. Because, yeah. I mean, there's so many episodes of Batman the Animated Series, it's, it kind of gets blurry. Well, so I did recently watch the Two-Face episodes. Mm-hmm. Um and it's definitely different than the courtroom. It is in a building where, you know, there's an explosion. It's almost like an Ace Chemicals type of building. So I don't think this is that same building. Okay. It could be, um, but I, I don't think it is. I'm actually scanning through the episode right now. <laughs> but uh, I don't think it is the same building. Well, it kind of hinted that there was some history in that building between Two-Face and Batman. Okay, then it just looks different. I, I obviously don't have the sound on, but it's... Uh, no, so it's the club. Okay, now it is. It's the Half Moon Club. The Half Moon Club is what Harvey is talking about when he's under, uh, when he's about to go under the knife, and he says, "Oh, good old Bruce." Oh, that's I right. Remember, okay, yeah. I remember when we used to close the town at the Half Moon Club or something like that. Yeah, that's right. Which again also establishes that long friendship between Bruce Wayne and Harvey Dent. Yes, which is which I I. I always loved that take um, in the in the animated series, and I not to go on a tangent, but I would love for the Batman to introduce Harvey Dent and just him stay Harvey Dent for at least a movie or two. Yeah, that would that would be really cool because because then you get that anticipation of oh god, I know it's going to happen, but when is it going to happen? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's because I think the the animated series did that really well because we got quite a bit of Harvey Dent in the series before he became Two Face. Yeah, at least one or two episodes. Because he yeah. dates Pamela in one episode, doesn't he? I think so. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh, uh, our little look at Second Chance. Uh, this is an episode I really, really enjoyed, Joe. I, um, and this is nothing against the, the last episode, but this is kind of a return to form 
for me of, of Batman the Animated Series. I I like the storytelling here. I like the imagery. I think this would this one was a really uh, this is one I may have to visit more often in the future because I really enjoyed watching this one. Well, yeah, like I said, it wasn't one that I would have ever thought to put in my top five, but after watching it, like this deserves to be in that conversation. And I love the ending always stuck out for me with the with the whole coin on the side thing, changing the coin out to really mess with Two-Face at the end. Um, Batman always finding a way to use the coin against Harvey is pretty much a, a staple. Yes. And it, it's a really cool way of doing it. In one, doesn't he do something with a magnet? Yeah, so it uh, it's a it's a dummy coin. And it keeps landing on the edge. Yeah, I want to say there's another one where something about a magnet, but I could be wrong, or maybe I was just re um, incorrectly thinking of this episode. But uh, yeah, there, it's it's a great episode. I'm so glad that uh, a couple of our listeners chose it. And yeah, um, I it was funny because I actually thought to rewatch the Two Face two parter, and considering putting that in my top five, but I. I think this might be a better episode than that two-parter. And just as, yeah, just as entertainment value alone, and I think just because it is just one part, mm. it's it's pretty, it's definitely up there for me. I was very pleasantly surprised by watching this one. So thank you to uh, the two listeners that recommended it. Absolutely. And that's an interesting idea. Maybe at the end of this whole uh, journey back through these episodes. Maybe we reassess what our top five were. I mean, not a full episode, but just kind of a conversation. Is our top five still what they were or have they changed watching these other people's suggestions? Oh yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. So anyway, if you'd like to watch Second Chance, if you haven't done so yet, that on the HBO Max order, it is season two, episode seven, Second Chance. But we already kind of told you guys uh, to be prepared for the next episode. Part of our kind of our m- memorial for Neil Adams, we are going to be talking about the two-parter, The Demon's Quest. So a lot of fun Ra's al Ghul stuff there. So make sure you're prepared and uh, watch The Demon's Quest Part 1 and 2 for our next episode. But Joe, that's kind of uh, that's kind of where we're going to wrap this episode up. A lot of good, fun topics here. A lot of chat about Batgirl, and then diving into some Batman the Animated Series is always fun. So yeah, thank you, buddy. Uh, it's been a, it's been a good episode. Oh, thank you for having me back on again. Yeah, it's been uh, fun to talk about this stuff. And you know, next week uh, or in two weeks, doing the Neil Adams stuff will be uh, will be a little bittersweet, but it'll it'll be nice to to dive into some stuff that we. We both really love and really just to remember Neil Adams. And like you said, adding Denny O'Neill in there too. And yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm going to get back to my, my family on this uh, lovely Sunday afternoon and maybe put some burgers on the grill and, and enjoy the night. But thank you again. That sounds like a fantastic idea. I have a huge brisket out on my smoker right now that I'm waiting to finish. So <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, that's uh it will be kind of bittersweet, but you know that's that's kind of why I wanted to go ahead with our plans and do the Batgirl episode today. Uh, give it a little bit of time. Um, I don't know. It would have felt a little. Uh, it would have felt a little, you know, rushed and, and and all that to kind of squeeze in something for Neil Adams today. So, uh, yeah. So we'll give it some time. Let everybody watch the Demons Quest, and we will let everybody know on our social media what kind of topics we make discuss uh about neil adams for for the next time but until then joe why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on social media 
You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at jforn11, on Facebook as Joe Forno, and on Letterboxd at jforn11. Very, very nice. As for myself, you can find my personal accounts on Instagram and Twitter. That's mecarter89, mecarter89. The show, once again, can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at tfrbatpod. If you have uh, thoughts and questions, comments, you can send those emails to tfrbatpod at gmail.com, and we will read those on the show. Uh, We also read listener reviews, so if you take a moment out of your day to give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, uh, we will read them on the show, as well as you can rate us, you can give us a star rating on Spotify. So if you listen on Spotify, go ahead and give us a star rating so we know how you're liking the show there. Make sure you you uh, take a moment to use the affiliate link in the description of this podcast and uh, go to Upside, their new name, Upside, the sponsor of our show, and uh, download the app there. Use our promo code BATMAN20 and get an additional 20 cent per gallon on your first fuel purchase. But thank you so much for joining us for a celebration of Batgirl and 55 years of Barbara Gordon. And until we see you again, make sure you keep that bat signal lit and pointed skyward. Batman was created by Bill Finger and Bob Kane. The Fire Rises, a Batman podcast, is in no way associated with Warner Brothers Discovery or DC Comics. The thoughts and opinions expressed by the participants are solely theirs and do not represent the companies that they work for. Thank you for listening. for.